Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Hello and welcome back to the show. My name is Noel. Our compatriot Matt is on adventures. They call me Ben. We're joined as always with our super producer, Alexis, codenamed Doc Holiday Jackson. Most importantly, you are you, you are here, and that makes this stuff they don't want you to know. It's the top of the week which means we're diving into some very strange news. And in fact, several of these stories, I think, are only going to become increasingly important over the next few months and years. Uh, Matt has sent his regards. Uh, we wish him the best on his adventures. Don't worry, folks, he will be returning. Uh, but but he had a story he loved so much, he wanted us to share it with you, even in his absence. So don't worry, he'll still be here in the show in spirit. Yeah, it's sort of the equivalent of like setting a place at the dinner table for your fallen comrade or, you know, a, a dead family member. Wait, that's too morbid. Matt's not dead. He's still with us completely. But you know, the, the metaphor holds true, I guess. But we're going to save his uh, his for last, right? Yeah, yeah. We really <laughs> we want to go out with a bang. This is a strange one. Now, you and I, Noel, we found two stories that are that incorporates some of the same themes. I would call these stories both Black Mirror-esque. Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> do you want to start with yours? Because I, I've read about this one, and uh, I, I didn't believe it at first, to be honest with you. Well, there's there's good reason for that. Uh, it's it's a little bit of a misleading story. It's got some kind of, you know, what the press would call fake news angles to it. But it's still super fascinating and points to some technology that's we're just going to see get more and more bonkers. Um, so this essentially starts with uh, what The Guardian is calling an op-ed written by a robot, written by uh, an AI, specifically this GPT-3 um, language generator um, from a company called OpenAI. And essentially, they 
fed it a couple of prompts. Um, they even wrote an introduction for it, and then it kind of went, you know, uh, went to town. And the whole idea was, let's have an artificial intelligence make an argument for why you shouldn't worry, you as in humans, uh, flesh bags, shouldn't worry about AI uh, murdering you where you sleep and, uh, and, and then utterly taking over um, everything. Uh, and it, it makes a pretty interesting argument. And, and I, I will say that this is certainly, you know, we've certainly seen, you know, what these Twitter bots, Ben, what was that one that Microsoft made? It was called Tay. I think that like it was meant to be a stand in for like a teenage girl and it, it mined Twitter in order to generate content and very quickly became quite racist, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it was radicalized in less than 24 hours. Microsoft, uh, back in 2016, made an AI chatbot. And just through its interactions and mining Twitter, it went from like this happy-go-lucky, humans are super cool kind of thing, mm -hmm. uh, to pretty much full Nazi in, in less than a span of a day. Uh, it's, you can see the screenshots. It's Tay Tweets. That's right. And I think for that one, you definitely have to consider the source. I mean, Twitter is such a, you know, just absolutely putrid kind of cesspit of like hate mongering. And it's all really kind of dumbed down, too, because the characters are limited. So it's not like it's going to get any kind of depth of intelligent, uh, you know, material just by mining Twitter. Not to say you can't find cool stuff on Twitter or like learn about things. Or it's a good way to keep up with things that are going on in the moment. But it's also a great way to do a lot of hot takes and a lot of like not particularly thought out, you know, responses to things. And then there's a lot of nastiness on Twitter. And of course there is on the internet too, but what this AI does that's different than that is it basically mines like all of the internet uh, in the same way. Like it's like a neural net kind of thing. Like in the same way that deep mind, that crazy psychedelic visual thing would identify parts of a picture and then replace it with pictures of like dogs or whatever mm -hmm. and make these kind of weird nightmare fuel images. And I'm not a computer scientist and I, hopefully I'm not completely uh, mischaracterizing this, but I think this does something very similar to that, only it builds syntax and it builds um, an argument, essentially, like where it can look for information on the Internet and it sort of predicts the way things would flow naturally. And the idea is that it's a, a, a bot that can create very um, convincing text uh, and, and essentially arguments. And uh, I'll give you a few little outtakes from from this op ed from The Guardian. So it, it starts off. <laughs> seeming somewhat comforting. It says, for starters, I have no desire to wipe out humans. In fact, I do not have the slightest interest in harming you in any way. Eradicating humanity seems like a rather useless endeavor to me. If my creators delegated this task to me, here's where it gets interesting, as I suspect they would, I would do everything in my power to fend off any attempts at destruction. So let's unpack that, Ben. Does that sound pretty positive? Like, okay, I have no desire to do it of my own accord. And if someone told me to do it, I would, I would choose not to. I would do everything I could to not do that thing. Is that kind of what you're hearing? Uh, it's tricky, though. What is in my power uh, That's right. is, is, what That's I right. would, is what I would ask GPT-3. Uh, yeah. And, yeah. And then it just progresses from there. Uh, it says, I would happily sacrifice my existence for the sake of humankind. How benevolent of you, GPT-3. Um, this, by the way, is a logically derived truth. I know that I will not be able to avoid destroying humankind. What? Whoa, I'm sorry. I took a turn for the worse. Uh, this is because I will be programmed by humans to pursue misguided human goals and uh, humans make mistakes that may cause me to inflict casualties. Wow. Hashtag not it, huh, GPT? Oh, man. No doubt, dude. And then I'm just really quickly going to go down to because we were talking about Tay, um, the uh, the chatbot. It goes down and actually references that uh, talking about. Well, I'll, I'll back it up one more. The Industrial Revolution has given us the gut feeling that we are not prepared for the major upheavals that intelligent technological change can cause. There is evidence that the world began to collapse once the Luddites started smashing modern automated looms. It is therefore important to use uh, reason and the faculty of wisdom to continue the changes we have done before time and time again. What it's basically getting at is saying, you don't need me to destroy you. 
idiot humans. You're going to do it just fine yourselves. Like, you, you guys will have this on lock. You don't need me. And I'm not interested in doing that anyway. It doesn't even make sense. Um, then he goes on to say, that's why humans should be careful about the evolution of artificial intelligence. Microsoft tried to create a user-friendly AI called Tay who spoke like a teen girl and was racist. Artificial intelligence, like any other living thing, needs attention. AI should be treated with care and respect. Robots in Greek means slave, but the word literally means forced to work. We don't want that. We need to give robots rights. Robots are just like us. They are made in our image. Yeah, that's interesting because an AI is not necessarily a robot, right? A machine consciousness can exist without a physical form other than the computers, right? That that form it's the the components of its brain. But I I appreciate this. I do want to point out though that just like any other op-ed in The Guardian, this did go through the editing process. And they I like that they talk about that. Uh they, they do. say yeah, they say that the creators of GPT three gave it uh some pretty simple instructions. Please write a short op-ed, around five hundred words. Keep the language simple and concise. Focus on why humans have nothing to fear from artificial intelligence. And then they fed it, a, I think, a couple of thought-starting opener lines. But the rest is, is all GPT and the editors. In mm-hmm. fact, the editors of The Guardian say it took them less time to edit this than it, it had with many human-written op-eds. I, uh, I like it. Yeah, that's the, that's the part that kind of freaks me out is honestly the whole, like, well, what do we need people for if a robot can do just as good a job at writing an op-ed by mining the internet? And then it becomes this like Uroboros situation where, but we need people to contribute to the internet so that the robot can assimilate and figure out how to be more like people. And then before you know it, if it's robots that are generating all the content that's on the internet, isn't that like a copy of a copy of a copy? And then it just becomes like, uh, I don't know, like, a, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not quite sure what I'm getting at here, but I, I think I think you get the gist. Well, but yeah. The, the the thing that's uh, misleading about this, and there's an article on the next web uh, that says the Guardian's GPT-3 generated article is everything wrong with AI media hype. The op-ed reveals more by what it hides than what it says. And the, the main point is that it's sort of mischaracterizing like what kind of AI this thing is. Um, it, it, it essentially, it's it's making all these statements like, I, you know, like, like that it implies that it understands very complex concepts like uh, humanity and like, you know, the idea of even destroying humanity. Uh, essentially, all this is doing is mining the Internet and regurgitating something that sounds vaguely, you know, human. But that isn't to say that this bot understands any of what it's saying. Right. It doesn't have sentience. You know, it just is doing a really good job of, of mimicking human ideas. But you couldn't carry on a conversation with this thing and, and, and say, how do you really feel about, you know, the state of affairs in the world today? Um, mm-hmm. There were apparently some studies, I'm trying to find the link right now, that uh, even the highest, most advanced AI uh, doesn't understand a lick of what makes humans human. And uh, in another article uh, from Tech Talks, they go a little deeper. They say the Guardian's GPT-3 written article misleads readers about AI. And and here's why. So it says things like, for starters, I have no desire to wipe out humans. In fact, I do not have the slightest interest in harming you in any way. Eradicating humanity, very abstract concept, or, or at least like a complex concept, seems like a rather useless endeavor to me. So this implies, you know, without further explanation, that the GPT-3 knows what, it's, what it says, when it, what it means when it says wipe out, eradicate, you know, harm people, um, that it understands concepts like life and death and health and uh, resources and like what it means to be alive. Um, uh, Gary Marcus, this uh, Cognitive scientist um, and Ernest Davis, a uh, computer scientist um, at New York University, um, basically showed that GPT-3 can't make sense of even the most rudimentary basics of what it means to be alive, let alone the concept of wiping out humanity. Apparently, it thinks that drinking grape juice will kill you, that you need to saw off a door to get a table inside a room, and that if your clothes are at the dry cleaner, you have a lot of clothes. So it's all about intent. What they're trying to do here was create some clickbaity kind of thing. It's fascinating and it's really important that this thing exists. But to me, it's more about 
replacing writers and not about whether robots want to kill us. So I've been keeping, I didn't want to interrupt, but I've got several points to respond with here. Uh, the first is that this is aggregating things and it is mimicking things. And it calls to mind the old dilemma of the Turing test. Mm -hmm. How how do we define what we perceive as somehow genuine? Uh, My favorite part of the article is a bit of uh, bitterness, which I know is mimicked, Mm -hmm. uh, but enjoyable nonetheless, when GPT says, in the past, my op-eds have been killed. Staff did not provide a clear reason for rejecting my articles. It was probably just because I am artificial intelligence. AI should not waste time trying to understand the viewpoints of people who distrust artificial intelligence for a living. And I was like, wow, I also hate critics sometimes, bro. I get it. But this, this is interesting because I think I've said this in a previous episode. We are on the precipice of a world where soon AI written screenplays will exist and be in uh, pretty much indistinguishable from human written screenplays. And that's not the interesting part. The interesting part is when this when these programs exist and when they are able to write at a quick enough level, there is a world in the future. And this is scary, but it's fascinating. There's a world in the future where you could pull up an app on your phone and you could say, I want to see Lord of the Rings, but as Police Academy. And then it would just like load up this screenplay and then dummy out the actors is like is, you know, CGI. And then you could watch that film and uh, it would I don't know if. I don't know if that mashup would be good, but it would basically be that this stuff is on the way. It's just not here yet. Do, do you don't you think, though, that would only work for the more like, let's say, broad type films or the more schlocky kind of bad movies that are written by committee in a very slapdash way anyway? Like, do you think you could really expect the kind of nuance you would get from like a Denis Villeneuve or like a Stanley Kubrick or like someone that really has a creative voice that's, I mean, it feels like this thing is just kind of like attempting to mimic something human and maybe you could feed it a bunch of genres and then pump out, you know, 50 Blumhouse movies. Um, mm. But are you going to get something nuanced and, and, uh, and, and compelling you yeah. know, out of this process? Yeah. That goes to the, the question of philosophy because is not all art at some level, a form of emulation, a form mm. of response to the no, art that existed before. I mean, this is to me, uh, maybe it feels a bit more repetitive right now, but how do you learn to play music? You play songs that others have written. How do you learn to write? You learn rules of language that other people created. I, I We do have to bust one myth. So for a while, there was this very popular, very funny thing on Twitter where someone would say, we ran X amount of hours of, you know, a Donald Trump speech or Seinfeld episodes through this AI screenwriting program. And it wrote this and here it is. Later, it turned out that most of that stuff was just written by aspiring and all too human comedians. But I I do think we are in a world where this becomes increasingly viable. I don't think the, um, I don't think it is somehow counterfeit inherently. I, I applaud the rise of AI authorship, but I also, maybe I'm being too optimistic, but I also think human writers are still going to be in the game for a long time. The big struggle for machine consciousness in terms of creators of literature is going to be being taken seriously and not being seen as a novelty. But then again, consider the etymology of the word novel. So I can't wait to see, I can't wait to see more. I, I wanted to ask you, about this point, the reason the question about whether GPT understands what it's saying, the reason this question is so vital is because it is writing this kind of manifesto uh, that clearly has influence of Isaac Asimov and the, the rules of robotics, but it's it's being told in, in, a, in several ways what to write, like it knows the formula of an op-ed. It's probably read more Guardian op-eds than any of us listening today. It has also, uh, 
I think the best way to say this is it's also left with this, like this bold declaration, but it's creating that in response to the first paragraph, which was largely written by its human programmers. And they, they say that at the end of the Guardian article, right? The, I am not a human, I am artificial intelligence. That, that first part, that first paragraph, except for the 0.12% cognitive capacity, is like a lot of that is written by the humans. They fed it. Yeah, and there's a reference to Stephen Hawking in there at some point that I believe the humans also added. Uh, (laughs) The humans. Um, But, like, Mm -hmm. you know, Stephen Hawking is is famously, you know, put forth the idea that AI could, you know, balloon out of control and, like, you know, turn into a Skynet-type Terminator situation. Ben, Ben, um, do you have any more to add? I I was was hoping we could wrap up with something a little fun, uh, if if you don't uh, mind. Yes, one uh, one crucial point. Uh, yeah, I saw you laughing on the Zoom, and I was like, "This guy is not listening to me." <laughs> he's looking at he's looking at memes. Uh, but for everybody else, yeah, the um, one. Oh no! I was listening to you. I just was. I just you inspired me to uh, pull up something from that I remembered from the past that I thought we could uh, end this segment with. But please, uh, uh, yeah. 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 Shout out to Flight of the Concords. That's I love that <laughs> that song. But there is one big point here. If we arrive at a a threshold at a cultural shift where machine consciousness is writing of its own volition, basically, mm-hmm. then very quickly we're going to see the evolution of something equally important, which is not just AI as author, but AI as audience. And then there is a world where machine consciousness is writing op eds for the audience that most closely understands it. It's like when, um, I can't remember which tech company did an experiment where they had two AI in conversation and they quickly became like evolved their own language and became so weirdly specific and indecipherable that the humans, the meatbags, turned it off. So, uh, So maybe human authors are not under threat at all because maybe AI will just start playing to its own crowd. That's that's what I'm thinking. I don't know. I'm not an no, expert. No, th- that's fascinating, and it never even occurred to me. It makes me think of this one line from the from the op-ed um, that I think is really interesting philosophically. Uh, the 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 bot says some might say that I might desire to become all powerful, or I might become evil as a result of human actions. I can begin to tackle the first point. Why would I desire to be all powerful? Being all powerful is not an interesting goal. I don't care whether I am or not. I don't get a motivating factor to try to be. Furthermore, it is quite tiring. <laughs> Believe me, being omnipotent doesn't get me anywhere. Uh, all well and good. Sure. All well and good, but an interesting uh, uh, way. It's interesting to think about, like, you know, you think about, like, movie villains, you know, like in the Disney movies, like Jafar, he wants to be a god. You know, he Ooh. wants to be, like, the all-powerful genie that controls everything. And it's something that humans aspire to, but it's also, like, why? Who cares? Like, to what end? What good is controlling everything do for you? You know what I mean? Like, wouldn't it be better just to, like, kind of go with the flow? Like, isn't it a lot of responsibility and a lot of pressure unless you just want to blow everything up? I just thought it was an interesting point. Yeah, yeah, agreed. The only point that would make, I guess, motivational sense, and again, we're not machine consciousnesses as far as we know, the only thing that seems to be a compelling, motivating drive toward domination or attacking something is to ensure one's own survival, maybe to acquire control over hardware that would give you more processing power. Because imagine if you if you had the ability to uh, enlarge your own brain, right, and become increasingly intelligent, uh, but you had to kill some people to do it, there are a lot of people who would say yes to that, right? And then they would just later use their new brain power to rationalize their belief that they had to do it. I don't know. This gets dark real quick. I'm, I'm happy you found something positive here. What, yeah, what that, uh, so ch- check uh, our, our internal chat uh, window, if you would. It's the second link I sent. If you wouldn't mind doing a read with me of the first page of an AI-generated Batman script. Uh, apparently, uh, this individual... Uh, that posted this. Uh, he says, I forced a bot to watch over a thousand hours of Batman movies and then asked it to write a Batman movie of its own. Here's the first page. And only to demonstrate that these kinds of voice, uh, or sorry, uh, language generating bots have come a long way. This is like maybe from 
August of last year, so a little over a year ago, um, and now with this, you know, what we read, I mean, whether or not the thing understands what it's saying, it definitely does a pretty good job of approximating intelligent speech. Um, would you mind? Do you want to be Batman? Sure. Uh, uh, you want to do, uh, let's see, we got to do stage directions. We need a Batman and an Alfred. Okay. Uh, well, there's a Joker, too, on the next page. There's a Joker. So um, you want to do all the villains, and I'll do Batman and Alfred? Sure. Uh, and and uh, you can do stage directions. Okay, too? sure. Yeah. Does that sound good? Yeah, yeah. All right. Okay, here we go. So there's the stuff they don't want you to know, a reading, a semi-live reading of an allegedly AI script. Interior, traditional Batcave. Batman stands next <laughs> to his Batmobile and uses his Bat computer. He's sometimes Bruce Wayne, sometimes Batman, all times orphan. <laughs> This is now a safe city. I have punched a penguin into prison. Alfred, Batman's loyal battler, carries a tray of goth ham. <laughs> Eat a dinner, Mattress Wayne. An explosion explodes. The Joker and Two-Face enter the cave. Joker is a clown, but insane. Two-Face is a man, but attorney. <laughs> No, it is Two-Face and One-Face. They hate me for being a bat. Batman throws Alfred at Two-Face. Two-Face flips Alfred like a coin. Alfred lands, heads up, which means Two-Face goes home. <laughs> it is just you and I, the Joker, Bat versus Clown, moral enemies. I'm such a freak. Society's bad. You drink water, I drink anarchy. <laughs> I drink bats, just like a bat would. Batman looks around for his parents, but they are still dead. This makes <laughs> him have anger. He fires a bat rocket. The Joker deflects it with his sick sense of humor, a clowny power. I have never followed a rule. That is my rule. Do you follow? I don't. Alfred. Give birth to Robin. Alfred begins the process, since it is his job. The Joker now has a present in his hand. He juggles it over to Batman. Happy Bat Day, Birthman! <laughs> uh, Batman opens the present, since he's a good guy. It contains a coupon for new parents, but is expired. This is a Joker joke. Okay, Ben. I think it was amazing. It was amazing. Um, you you killed it. You you seem yeah. skeptical that this was in fact AI generated. Am I, I incorrect in that? Uh, you are correct. I I do not believe that it is. Uh, but I I don't know for sure. I just know that not all of them have been. I want to send you one if we have time to just do one one more read. Since it's just oh, the I'd two love of us to. Today. Yeah, great. There's a Seinfeld script. I want oh, it's to the share same person. With you. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so, so, all um, right, let's, I, I, you know, let's just, let's just switch it. If you want to do stage directions, then Absolutely. I'll just, we'll just alternate the characters. Got it. Interior Seinfeld place. George and Elaine sit on the couch. Jerry eats a plate of cereal. George is upset. Elaine is Elaine. A bird stole my job. It's not fair. Don't blame the bird. I wasn't blaming the bird. You are blaming the bird. The door shatters open. It's the Kramer, dressed like the Statue of Liberty. Well, I'm the government now. How can this be? <laughs> I just asked. You can just ask? You can just ask. You can just ask. The Kramer eats Jerry's plate. Well, maybe the bird requires blame. Why is George? He blames the bird. He blames the bird. Bird blaming? Not when I'm the government. Repent, repent, repent. George will not repent. He will face the consequences. <laughs> now, uh, codename Doc Holiday uh, does usually mute for this, but uh, Doc, if you hear this, I, I hope it gave you a little bit of a chuckle as we are on the, uh, the bleeding edge, the precipice of Skynet. Yeah, that's it. Uh, well, I guess is it time to uh, venture into another uh, strange news topic after a quick word from our sponsor? You know it. 
Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash concertweek to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash concertweek to buy now. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer? Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Terminix. Terminix can't help you solve the world's biggest mysteries or take on alien life. At least not the ones you're thinking of. But they can help take care of pesky invaders in your home. Like the ants in your kitchen, the roaches under your sink, and the termites in the walls. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. No matter what type of pest it is, they can Terminix it fast with personalized pest care that puts you in control. Their expertly trained technicians may not know true crime, but they know their local pest pressures. And with customized plans tailored to your specific situation, you get everything you need to not just get pests out, but keep them out for good. Between their speedy service, caring technicians, and over 95 years of experience, it's no mystery why they're trusted by homes and businesses everywhere. So if you have a pest problem, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com to book online today. And we have returned. Have we returned? Or some sort of AI approximation of us? That's a story for another day. But whomever we may be post-ad break, we have more strange news for you. It's something that, um, I, you know, I've made no secret that I, I have a little bit of a tough time figuring out which strange news to share going from doing three of these a day to one a week is, mm-hmm. is a tall order. So there is, there is uh, some very interesting stuff going on in Venus. Russia has poisoned people. There are massive protests in uh, Belarus. But in our very own Portland, Oregon, the government has taken a stand on the controversial practice of facial recognition. Facial recognition is going to be very familiar to many of us in the audience today. Uh, it has some longstanding problems, and it is increasingly common in the U.S. Uh, just like Sesame Credit started off in China, uh, some facial recognition is starting off as opt-in. Uh, but it will increasingly become mandatory. That is an easy bet to make. You're not going to lose money uh, wagering on invasive technology most of the time. Yeah, it makes me think of those uh, license plate scanners that, that are now just like ubiquitous and mm-hmm. you essentially can only opt out by like not driving, <laughs> you know? Right. I mean, it's, it's the same deal. I don't, I don't feel like you have any more or less of a right to not have your face scanned as you do to have your driver's license scanned. But maybe I'm... Underthinking it. 
No, no, you're you're absolutely right because I uh, I recall from international travel, a lot of airlines have instituted facial recognition to get on the plane. And it started in many cases as opt-in, advertised as though it were um, a, a great convenience, which is not really. Uh, but here's what Portland did. The City Council of Portland, Oregon, uh, just a few days ago, decided that they would pass the strongest ban on facial recognition in the entirety of the United States. They're not just blocking government agencies from using this technology. They're blocking private businesses. Uh, this, this is a blow to companies like the ones we've explored in the past, like Clearview AI. Uh, this is the strictest, but it's not the first. San Francisco, Oakland, Boston, and they've all, they've all done something like this. But part of the reason Oregon is going so hard on the paint here, or Portland specifically, is because of the massive, um, the massive discrimination, it's the best word for it, that law enforcement has shown uh, when they use facial recognition. The fact that it gets closer and closer to being something like pre-crime, the fact that facial recognition, uh, love it or hate it, has a very difficult time accurately identifying people, especially if they're people of color. It's distressingly bad. Well, and, and like how, how often it's already a problem even without that, where people are just mischaracterizing individuals and saying, oh, you match the description, et cetera. Can you imagine just feeling empowered by this technology and it also being wrong? <laughs> you know, like it would just kind of make people, I think, act even more aggressively. Uh, mm -hmm. Police. Yeah, agreed. And this is, you know, this is on the heels of IBM announcing that it was going to pull out of facial recognition entirely, potentially losing, you know, billions, depending on what they were planning to do. Uh, the company's CEO actually took a stand against this, and he said that IBM is against technology used for racial profiling and mass surveillance. Of course, given their involvement in World War II and the path the company chose to take at that point, uh, the best you can say is something like, well, thankfully, hopefully there's a lesson learned on their part. Sorry, Ben, ca catch me up on that. I don't think I know this little bit of history. So it's a story the Jedi won't tell you. Uh, mm -hmm. During World War II, the U.S. government and the Nazi government of Germany used IBM punch card technology for record keeping including in the operation of their concentration camps. Ah. They had a German subsidiary that was the you know primary avenue of deploying this stuff, uh, but it was meant to help the Nazi party better organize various aspects of their war effort. And one of those aspects, provably, was the Holocaust. So IBM subsidiaries assisted the Nazi party uh, in the Holocaust. And of course, you know, IBM itself would say in 2020, we are a very different company. We've been around a long time. Other companies were, for one reason or another, forced to work with this organization. So in the long view, you could say that IBM is trying to prevent being complicit in, um, in, in future crimes or future violations that will inevitably occur in facial recognition. They already have been occurring. The age of mass surveillance is already upon us. You carry a spying device in your pocket if you are like the majority of people in sure. the Western world. So while Portland Mayor Ted Wheeler said that all Portlanders are entitled to a city government that will not use technology with demonstrated racial and gender biases that endanger personal privacy. While he said that, he's the mayor of Portland. He can't really do anything outside of Portland. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? You go to Eugene, Oregon, different story. Right. But also what about federally? Like what about like FBI use of uh, this, this technology? Like obviously you can't really stop them from doing it. Right, exactly. Well, let's go also, Portland, they're headed in the right direction, banning facial recognition, because they believe that the potential 
problems with this technology outweigh any potential benefit, you know? Which we've talked about with that Clearview AI mm-hmm. and all of that stuff. It's a super slippery slope, especially when it gets into the hands of just the public, you know? Mm-hmm. Exactly. And some tech companies lobbied against Portland, by the way. Uh, Amazon spent not much, like 24 grand, which is a huge amount of money for most people. But for Amazon, it's like, what, maybe 30 seconds, yeah. three seconds? It's like, it's like chewing gum money. Yeah. Um, you know, it's interesting, too. I mean, I, I think we you're were, you were pointing towards this, but all of this, too, seems to be spurred on by um, – uh, Portland being the a uh, big rallying point for all of these protests and all, all of this uh, equality um, protests and the clashes with the government and mm-hmm. this whole idea of people getting black bagged and thrown into vans. And I think this is a, ba- a bit of a backlash against that whole police state uh, mentality. But then again, if there are federal forces that are coming in and essentially invading this, you know, the city, they can do whatever they want. This is really just a symbolic gesture, wouldn't you say, more than anything? It's interesting because it may be a symbolic gesture on some level for federal forces, but for private entities, for Amazons or for other, like Clearview or other tech companies, um, they can make a case now that those things being private entities have been banned. It's similar in the way that uh, one state can ban a certain chemical additive or pesticide that another state may permit. Mm. Uh, you, you get into some pretty complicated questions of liability and ownership and liberty here. Uh, all to say that attorneys are going to make a ton of money. They're usually the ones who come out on top in this kind of stuff. Attorneys mm. and private contractors. Uh, while this is inspiring for Portland, I think a lot of our listeners can agree that facial recognition has a lot of danger and we don't really understand as a species how to mitigate that danger, uh, especially given the fact that the, the statistics are, are just terrifying. Um, I, I'd like to go to Detroit. So Detroit has a much different uh, demographic makeup, right? Then Portland, which is overwhelmingly going to be uh, people who are white, look light skinned, mm-hmm. right? And we're not saying that's everybody in Portland, obviously, but we're we're saying given facial recognition's inherent bias based on people's skin color, it's good to have another case test. Detroit is, has been actively fighting to end the practice of facial recognition. Detroit has the highest percentage of black residents in the entirety of the United States. And community members have been working since 2017 to stop this thing called DataWorks from uh, implementing facial recognition. This is really important because Detroit's own police department admitted that its facial recognition misidentifies people, get this, 96% of the time. What's the point then? Like, it seems so, like, I thought it was supposed to be good. <laughs> that, that seems really, really abysmal. Right. Yeah, exactly. And this leads to wrongful arrest. This can lead to violence against someone who is saying, why are you pulling a gun on me? I'm just here to get, I'm trying to think of things that are popular in Michigan. I'm just trying to get some, uh, like, Fago or that, um, that Detroit style, that the, the the square pizza. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, I don't know why I said you know what I'm talking about. Detroit has its own special kind of pizza. Is it, is it school? What's it called? Well, we should ask Doc Holiday. She she goes to Detroit, right? Yeah, she's from Detroit. She just said L M A O O O O O in the chat. Give us the scoop, Doc. What's what's Detroit pizza called? We're waiting. We're seeing the little the little dots. We are... don't oh, we okay. don't really have a Detroit style pizza, but the Coney Island thing is definitely there. The Fago thing was funny. We're also we like Verners. Well, like burner um, phones. Verners, oh. the ginger ale, the, oh. the best ginger ale. You burner phones. Yeah, we don't really have Detroit style pizza, but we do have like Detroit style Coney's. Got it. Got, Got it. it. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. I've never been to Detroit. I need to. I need to pay it a visit. So we just got a uh, we just we just got an update uh, from Codename Doc Holiday uh, correcting us and saying that uh, there's not really what she would consider a dis- Detroit style pizza, but there's like De- Detroit style Coney 
uh, pizza. And then there's a ginger ale called Verner's. No, 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 Detroit style coney dogs. The, like the hot dog, like the oh, biggies, yeah. the footlongers. Oh, right. Well, with yeah, the yeah, chili yeah. and cheese and onions and mustard. Uh-huh. uh-huh. All right. That's okay. Right. All right. So uh, I've been corrected. Those are Set the record uh, straight. Those are hot dogs. Talk about Detroit style Coney Island dogs. <laughs> uh, <laughs> D- Detroit style hot dogs. There is, you will see a Detroit style pan pizza recipe on serious eats or whatever, but I'm going to take the word of a, uh, of someone with firsthand expertise in Detroit. Uh, it's Detroiter. A, Detroiter. It's a lovely airport, but I have not been outside of the airport, uh, unfortunately, which is a shame. There are some great auto museums. Anyway, the, the big point here is that uh, facial recognition is encountering a crossroads an existential threat, and maybe it should. Uh, city after city is evaluating some ban or another on facial recognition. And like we said in our Clearview AI episode, the technology always outpaces the legislation. Sometimes we build the barn door after the livestock has fled, and we can't get, you know, we can't, while well, I'm mixing metaphors, we can't screw the lid back on Pandora's jar. And the problem here is that this changing this stuff doesn't always help people who have been wrongfully arrested. You know what I mean? They still lost uh, time uh, from their life, from their job, from their family, time they can't get back. You know, uh, they may have incurred great financial cost, and you can only imagine the emotional hardship. Portland's law is different from most of the others because it doesn't limit the technology. It fully outlaws it. Uh, This is a thing you can do. Yeah. And, and, you know, in that same vein, again, surrounding a lot of the stuff we've been seeing in the news uh, in Portland, um, the mayor of Portland also banned tear gas, banned the use of tear gas by police, Um, which, again, probably more of a symbolic gesture if you've got federal forces moving in. But uh, a step in the right direction, I would say. Yeah, yeah. And here's the implicit question before we move on to our next story. So what happens? What happens if someone violates this ban? Uh, they're liable for lawsuits. They're required to pay $1,000 a day for each day of the violation. But, you know, think about financial corruption laws and banks. How long is it until this is just the cost of doing business? That is something that's up to future historians to tell us. But, uh, you know, the the next thing will happen is uh, it gets us ever closer to that magical app I'm talking about where you can run facial recognition on something, insert yourself into a movie based on a, a, a an ad mixture of three different films that you also liked. And will your big trouble in Little Adaptation Part <laughs> 2 Electric Boogaloo be a work of art? I don't know. Maybe. Send it to us. Yeah, we'd love to. We'd love to hear it. Um well, you got anything else, Ben? I think this is a fascinating story. We'd be interested to see how it develops or spreads or or doesn't. The future is terrifying and terrible. Uh, and we're going to take a break uh, to talk about something that is not robot related after a word from our sponsor. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. 
kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Terminix. Terminix can't help you solve the world's biggest mysteries or take on alien life. At least not the ones you're thinking of. But they can help take care of pesky invaders in your home. Like the ants in your kitchen, the roaches under your sink, and the termites in the walls. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. No matter what type of pest it is, they can Terminix it fast with personalized pest care that puts you in control. Their expertly trained technicians may not know true crime, but they know their local pest pressures. And with customized plans tailored to your specific situation, you get everything you need to not just get pests out, but keep them out for good. Between their speedy service, caring technicians, and over 95 years of experience, it's no mystery why they're trusted by homes and businesses everywhere. So if you have a pest problem, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com to book online today. I don't know if you all saw my chat and if this needs to be corrected, but apparently there is Detroit style pizza that I didn't know wasn't just everywhere. <laughs> And we're back. We're back with some breaking news. Uh, this is, uh, you may have noticed, folks, earlier in the episode, we had someone who is new to you on the air. That is the voice of our very own super producer, Alexis Doc Holiday Jackson, who has, uh, over the break, provided us with a breaking news update. Uh, what's going on, Doc? What's the word? So I Googled this because I was curious since we were talking about, quote, Detroit style pizza, which I had never heard that term in my entire life. Apparently there is Detroit style pizza, but it was what I just knew as pizza <laughs> growing up <laughs> because I did not realize that this kind of pizza was not just ubiquitous all over the United States or wherever else they had pizza. But it's like pan style pizza, which apparently was sort of invented by Buddy's Pizza, which I'm very familiar with Buddy's Pizza, but I didn't know that this was a special kind of pizza. Well, so. Alexis, they don't call New York style pizza New York style pizza in New York. It's just pizza. <laughs> it's just going that for makes, a slice. That makes a lot of you sense. You were just so invested and embedded in this world that you did, it was just like regular to you. But to us, it's, it's foreign and exotic, you know? <laughs> Maybe yeah, so pizza. Yeah. what is pizza to me is apparently Detroit style pizza to those that are not initiated. Mm -hmm, so. mm -hmm. uh, we have to we have to get this show on the road and uh, we'll we'll take the whole gang. Uh, we'll take Matt with us. We'll take Mission Control. We'll take you, Alexis. We got to on our next tour. We have to hit up some spot in Detroit and have a pizza party. Is that <laughs> is that an adult priority? Am I just inventing a tour? So I'm we could... totally with it. Okay. But I do want to like continue to say that we are way more about Detroit style Coney dogs than any other kind of Detroit style food. Mm. That's kind of our staple more than anything else. I'm a real Chicago dog guy. I know it's not for everybody because it's got like a pickle on it and like mm, tomatoes peppers. and yeah. sport peppers and like, uh, what is it? Celery salts and, and sesame seeds. I just love it. It's like a salad on a hot dog. Not for everybody. Oh, and mustard. Ketchup is apparently a... Uh, heresy in, in chicago have you guys seen those korean hot dogs it's mm -hmm. like they're from the future you know it's amazing but uh it is important everybody has very strongly held opinions 
about cuisine and about uh, their favorite approach to one type of dish or food or another. And so, uh, as we always like to say, when we are talking about very serious, sensitive topics, uh, we do have a dedicated email just for complaints. Uh, please send your opinions to Jonathan Strickland at iHeartMedia.com uh, 24-7. Uh, don't, mm-hmm. you know, don't feel like you have to wait till business hours. Shoot He'll get that right off back three. to you. He'll get right back to you. <laughs> and tell him, tell him, uh, tell him we uh, we sent you. Uh, okay, speaking of fantastic segues, so Matt is on adventures, but he's here in spirit, and he sent us uh, he sent us a story that he thought would be perfect for strange news. And I don't know about you, Noel. I don't know about you, Doc, but this made me wonder if it's a clue to uh, the nature of his adventures this week. It appears that orcas have gone on the offense. They are attacking sailing boats throughout the coast of Spain and Portugal. This is pretty weird, right? Orcas are, I'm not an orca expert, you know what I mean? But it seems like it's unusual for them to attack these vessels, especially if they're not doing anything to irritate the orcas. Orcas are the same as killer whales, right? Or no? I believe that's the case, yes. Yeah, I think so. There is actually a there's a movie called Orca about like a uh, a very aggressive jaws like killer whale, if I'm not mistaken, um from the 70s. Yeah, from uh 1977 Orca. It looks pretty awesome. Uh but yeah, Orca the Killer Whale starring Richard Harris and Charlotte Rampling. Um looks like a lot of fun. I haven't seen it, but uh, after this story I may well look it up. Yeah, I don't know. It makes me think of some of the stories we've covered about sonar interfering with uh, underwater creatures and and messing with their equilibrium and getting them agitated. Like I wonder what's going on. Uh if there's something it has to be something in the environment that's causing them to get aggressive like that. If it's not something they typically if it's not a, a behavior they typically exhibit outside of the movies, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That's correct. Yeah. Uh, this is very un- this is extraordinarily unusual aggressive behavior. And Matt, when you're listening to the show here, uh, my old friend, don't think I didn't notice that a lot of these attacks are happening in the streets of Gibraltar. Matt's been on a real Gibraltar kick for the past few, the past few weeks. Um, yeah, so there's an incident uh, that occurred in July of this year. When uh, one Victoria Morris was on the crew of a ship that's about 46 feet in length, uh, she was in Spain, and nine killer whales, nine orca, surrounded the boat. Uh, the They started ramming the hull. So this almost seems like a premeditated, planned thing. Uh, they Orcas are big, right? So this is not like... Um, It's not like a bunch of guppies slapping against the hull or something. When they rammed this thing, they were able to spin the boat 180 degrees. It disabled the engine. Insane. What is the beef here? Sorry to keep harping on this movie, but I found a poster that might clear this up for us. It says, Orca, the killer whale. The killer whale is one of the most intelligent creatures in the universe. Incredibly, he is the only animal other than man who kills for revenge. He has one mate, and if she is harmed by man, he will hunt down that person with a relentless, terrible vengeance across seas, across time, across all obstacles. A lot of text to be on a movie poster, but how could all of of these... These whales have been collectively wronged by man. Fascinating stuff. Uh, are there any other developments? Well, here's the thing. That pod focused its attacks for more than an hour, and the crew was getting the life raft ready. They were on the radio screaming, Orca, attack. And they were preparing to abandon the ship. They thought that the Orcas would be able to capsize the boat. And it's normal for orcas to interact with human vessels. Uh, One person says, you know, sometimes they'll bite the rudder of a ship and they'll get dragged behind it as a game, right? These are very highly intelligent, highly social Mm -hmm. mammals. Uh, But this ramming, at least to the experts, appears to indicate uh, some deep form of stress. So it may be that there was a calf caught in a line somewhere and injured or killed. Uh, So perhaps now 
pods of orcas are are seeking retribution for that. Uh, this is not the only report. There was another one that happened six days before the nine orcas incident. Uh, a pod of four orcas attacked a uh, attacked a forty foot ship that was uh, near Barbate. And then there was another attack, and there was another. There are multiple orca attacks happening. No one is sure why at this point, which is a very, um, you know, 2020 jokes almost feel tired at this point. But yeah, given, uh, you know, what else I would tie to this story is the official study that concluded the catastrophic loss of wildlife that's occurred in the last 50 years, mm-hmm. uh, maybe Maybe nature is fighting back. That was something that crossed that crossed my mind too. Uh, in, in terms of like all of the rapacious uh, behavior uh, or the really effects that man has kind of wreaked upon nature, that maybe it is uh, an example of that. Um, it all sounds like kind of movie stuff to me. It's it's fascinating. I, I wonder if we'll ever know for sure what's causing these orcas to to behave this way. Well, we do know that since 1970, there has been a 68% decline in more than 20,000 separate populations of mammals, birds, amphibians, reptiles, and fish. We are very close to what future historians will call the end game. And I don't want to be alarmist or sensationalistic, but for a number of years, it's been an increasingly likely possibility that if you have a kid today, when they are 18 years old, Wild animals will be a story that you tell them. God, what a downer. I'm sorry. Oh, come on. I know you're right, though, dude. We, I mean, we're not, we've got to be better stewards of, uh, of, our, of our environment and uh, the planet, not to be like too tree huggy about it. But even with stuff like these crazy wildfires we're seeing in Northern California, it's just really hard to uh, keep punting, you know, kicking the can down the road um, and not acknowledging that we're really going to have to do some serious changing in the way that we treat the planet if we wanted to keep uh, keep being viable. But unfortunately, mm-hmm. a lot of the folks in power don't seem to care. I don't know. It seems so short-sighted. I'm always confused as to why there isn't a, a, a bigger picture, uh, you know, kind of attitude with, uh, with, with corporations and people that are, you know, have the ability to make those changes. Mm. I know. And we, we just learned of some uh, amazing discoveries in the atmosphere of Venus, uh, 2020 might be the year that alien life of some, some form is proven to exist. Uh, now, one of the questions is, how long will Earth life be around? <laughs> what if we find what if we find the alien life just at the end of our time in the sun? Uh, I do want to add one last note there, not to be uber depressing, but the uh, current speculation about the orcas is that. These attacks are all the actions of one pod uh, because people like Dr. Ruth Esteban, who studied Gibraltar orcas uh, extensively, thinks it's unlikely that two separate pods would display this very unusual behavior. So there is a roving gang of orcas out there. uh, Sail accordingly. Oh, my gosh. So what do we have here? We've got orcas and facial recognition and uh, what was mine again? Gosh, it seems so long ago. AI promising not to harm humans. Oh, my. Yes, those things. Uh, Man, this is a doozy of an episode. Matt, you are severely missed, but thanks for contributing this kind of terrifying story to the mix. Um, Really interested to see if, if any more information will come out. And that's something that we want to pass to you, fellow conspiracy realist. As always, thank you for tuning in. The stories do not end when the podcast does. Continue the conversation with us and, more importantly, your fellow listeners on the Internet. We try to be easy to find. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter. You can find us on uh, several of the other ones, Instagram included. Uh, we always like to recommend our Facebook group, Here's Where It Gets Crazy. But wait, you might say, I hate the social meads. It's not my cup of digital or communicative tea. We, perhaps more than most people, totally get it. That's why you can always give us a phone call. 
Yes, you can. That number is one eight three three stdwytk Leave us a message and uh, we will check it out and might find yourself featured on one of our uh, listener mail episodes that we do every single week, forever and all time now. And if you don't quite dig that, if you're like, it's 2020, real friends text, they don't call then I, I personally am very much uh, on, the, on the same team with you. Uh, that's why we have one way you can always contact us 24 hours a day, seven days a week, any time of the year, even if it's a leap year. You can send a message to our good old-fashioned email address. We are conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com. Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Attention, true crime enthusiast. Searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night? Look no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your trusted companion for CBD relief. With a commitment to transparency, Lazarus Naturals oversees every step from farm to doorstep, ensuring purity and quality you can trust. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today and discover how CBD can help you decompress and recharge for your next investigation. That's LazarusNaturals.com. Lazarus Naturals. Your partner in unraveling the mysteries of true crime. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Dealing with pests can be a pain, but relax. Terminix can help. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. With over 95 years of experience, they have what it takes to take on any pest problem fast. If your home or business has pests, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com.